Hello, I'm Kendra Winchester here with Samaya Nassim, and this is Reading Woman, a podcast inviting you to reclaim the bookshelf and read the world. Today, we're talking about books around the theme of middle grade magic. You can find a complete transcript of this episode on our website, readingwomenpodcast.com, and don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. Well, welcome, Samaya, to April's theme. I can't, I can't believe it's already April. I know, and I feel like it's been so long since we last recorded. Well, it's been five months, so... <laughs> That's almost <laughs> half a year. Where have we been this entire time? <laughs> uh, reading and uh, petting our fur babies and then using lip rollers because our all of our things are covered in fur, <laughs> I think. That's, I'm not going to pretend that I use lint rollers. Cat hair everywhere <laughs> is the lifestyle I believe in. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's spring here, so Dylan has been blowing his coat, and so I've been using the Roomba, but then Dylan thinks the Roomba is his nemesis. Granted, that's what it's named on my phone as well, but it's been a journey to get here. But I'm very excited that we are here to talk about middle grade. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and this is a theme I've been looking forward to because it's much needed. <laughs> And this is also, you know, the Venn diagram of Samaya and Kendra interest overlap is very strong here. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's the perfect way to describe it. This this theme was made for us. And I'm going to admit it's entirely selfish. <laughs> you know, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but I feel like our enthusiasm will carry over and people will discover a lot of interesting middle grade books that we're very excited to share with them. But yeah, all right, our theme, we're talking about middle grade magic. And so we thought we could uh, chat a little bit about why we wanted to talk about middle grade novels for this theme. Yeah, and actually before I share the origin story of this (laughs) theme, (laughs) I quickly want to point out and clarify that middle grade books um, are actually aimed at readers between the ages of 8 and 12. And it's okay if you don't belong in that category because we don't either. (laughs) And we absolutely adore middle grade. Um, And my hope for this theme is to have more adults actually picking up these books because they're, you know, what's not to love? They're so, they're so adorable. Okay, so the origin <laughs> story. <laughs> Last year when we were actually coming up with ideas for themes, uh, one of the first themes that I put down is cozy reads or feel-good books, you know, which could be anything from a romance or a feel-good story about friendship or something set in a small town looking at a close-knit community. And because Kendra and I... <laughs> Both really love middle grade books. We kind of naturally gravitated towards middle grade and ended up picking middle grade for our feel good cozy theme. <laughs> so we just decided to like rebrand and go for middle grade magic. <laughs> um, I, I love I love that. It's very us. It's very us. Yeah, <laughs> it's so comforting and the escape is just amazing. But before I go into why I really, really love middle grade, and I really too, like, it's, uh, you know, so much love (laughs) that I have for middle grade. (laughs) Sorry, I'm being cringe, but this is how I talk when I'm just like obsessing over something. I have a question for Kendra. So I know the past year has been tough for everyone, and we have both found so much escape in middle grade books. Can you talk about the element of comfort in middle grade? Like, how do you relate to that and what it does for you? Yeah. So I think of this sort of like romance novels always have a happy ending. That's like a requirement. And so I've enjoyed reading those, but I've also enjoyed reading middle grade because it's kind of a kind of requirement for the age group is that you have a hopeful ending at minimum. Um, And so... 
I really love that about these books, but also I still want to engage with topics that really need to be discussed or difficult topics of family or faith or different things. And a lot of books do that in the middle grade area, but they're kind of easier to digest than really difficult, heavy literary, capital L fiction. And so I really enjoy reading these stories and knowing at the end that will have some sort of positive resolution. And they're also middle grade books, you know, that's an age group. So they come in every kind of genre from mystery to fantasy to family or whatever. And so I love that. There's so much variety. And it wasn't until recently I had a middle grade reader in my life. My nephew is now 11. And so, and he's a very sensitive reader. So I haven't sent him anything too You know, I think ghosts would be a bit much for him right now, but I have enjoyed sharing books with him. And so he's very much into reading sporadically. And so uh, I sent him a giant box and I love reading these books, not only for me, but also because I want to share them with people I love and whether that be my nephew, my mom, friends, whatever, they're super comforting that way. Yeah. And, you know, like reading middle grade so that I can actually create a list of middle grade books for the kids in my family. It's one of my favorite pastimes. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And I actually love what you said about the way that these books actually address more serious issues, um, but they are packaged for children. So it's like easier to digest. And I absolutely agree with that. But I also think that the way that benefits us adults is that it kind of gives us the language to talk about these issues with the kids that are in our family or in our lives. So that is something that absolutely helps me. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Because I feel like sometimes I'll try to have conversations with the children in my life and uh, I can tell like nothing is hitting. Like they're just like, you know, (laughs) not interested. And so with books, you can then hand them a book and have those discussions, but you're actually talking about the book, but then you're actually talking about bigger themes as well, and they don't really realize it as much. So they're more likely to talk to you, which I didn't really think would be a problem as someone who doesn't have children, but apparently it is. And so (laughs) it is very helpful. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, they can see parts of themselves in the story sometimes, and it's especially important for kids to have that and you know as someone who didn't have these books growing up you know uh, didn't really have that representation in the books that I was reading I am so grateful that the children that I know are actually going to be reading these books because representation can be so powerful and it's so important so yeah I'm really grateful for middle grade so we were discussing before we started recording like why we as adults want to read middle grade and so for you, Samaya, why is it that you want to read in addition to the in addition to the things that you've already mentioned? Uh, why do you gravitate towards middle grade novels? Yeah, so I absolutely love the comfort. I love the escape, um, and you know, there's so much adventure and fun in these stories. Um, I love that they deal with these social issues or even heavy themes but they are written for children so the writing is not too complicated and they're easier to read uh, one thing that i've noticed is that i can actually listen to a middle grade novel on audio without reading the print because usually like when i am listening to an audiobook i also read the print but with middle grade i can rely completely on the audio and you know don't need the uh, additional print uh, to look at because it's just so easy to get lost in that narrative and it's easier to follow. Um, And also, you know, as a Muslim and an aunt, I just want to make sure that the books that the kids in my life are reading are the ones that are suited for them and that it, you know, also are based on their personalities and interests. Uh, What about you, Kendra? What's your perspective? I, I just really enjoy a story that... It, it kind of is nostalgic, right? Because it goes back to, it's a very short story typically, and the audiobook isn't that long. And it's, it's like going back to my childhood where like you just had this adventure story and you knew everything would turn out well in the end because that's, that's all you knew as a, as a kid in, in some ways. And, but at the same time, I feel like middle grade now 
is featuring a wider range and a more diverse range of experiences and topics, which is not something that I had as a kid. And so I really appreciate that about these books that you could hand, you know, a child a book and share a different experience with them in a way that they would understand. Yeah, and also introduce them to historical events that have shaped our societies and communities. Yeah, so we've talked about The Night Diary on our uh, podcast before, which is by Veera Hiranandadi, and that was such a beautiful book um, centered on the partition of India and Pakistan. So I think that middle grade, you know, also has that benefit where you can introduce children to history, but from a perspective that, you know, is more balanced and unbiased. So today we have a wide range of stories. Um, And then we also have a special guest who specializes in reading and reviewing middle grade novels, which I'm very excited about. Longtime fan of hers. Um, So stay tuned for that. But um, yeah, we have some great books to talk about. And I'm going to be honest and say that we read a gazillion more books than we could ever feature. And (laughs) so uh, definitely check out the show notes and our social media and our newsletter because we will be featuring more and more of these pretty much all month long basically (laughs) um so yeah so why don't we just like jump on in because we have a lot of recommendations that we are trying to squeeze in i guess (laughs) so shall i go first then Yes. Yes, it'd be great. Okay, so my first pick for middle grade magic is A Place at the Table, uh, which was published by Houghton Mifflin Harcourt. And this is a collaborative novel written by authors Sadia Faruqi and Laura Chauvin. And oh my gosh, I have so much to say about this beautiful book. And I knew that I would love it even before I started reading it because It combines some of my favorite topics to read about, especially in middle grade. And these are food, family, faith, and friendships. Um, So the story actually alternates between the perspectives of Sarah, who is a Muslim Pakistani American, and Elizabeth, who is a Jewish British American. Um, They actually meet um, at Mrs. Hamid's South Asian cooking club, and Mrs. Hamid is actually Sarah's mom. So they first become cooking class partners, and they barely tolerate each other's. Like they, they don't think that they have anything in common. But at this, as the story progresses, they start to learn a little bit more about each other and realize that they're actually more similar than they had realized. Um, so one thing that is in common between these girls is that their moms are immigrants who need to study. Uh, to take the American citizen, uh, citizenship test. So Sarah and Elizabeth actually try to set them up to become study buddies, which I thought was such a cute <laughs> thing in the story. Like, so adorable. They actually, like, have this, you know, th- this plan to go to a cafe and bring their moms over there. And then they naturally realize that they will need to take the test. So it was super cute. So um, another important subplot in this book is that Sarah and Elizabeth actually enter a competition to come up with a creative recipe. So food actually becomes the outlet for them to bring their cultures together and show the beauty of diversity and the collaborations that can happen between cultures, which is actually a lot like this book. I mean, this book is literally the representation of that. Um, (laughs) And like, I loved the meta feeling that gave me is to see the characters also like creating something together that brought their individualities to it. Um, but also I have to say that this book isn't without conflict because as uh, because the pair of them, they're actually faced with racism and xenophobia at school um, and also Islamophobia and anti-Semitism. So there's also that social issues aspect in this middle grade novel. And I loved the way that it teaches you how to be a good friend because they do have a complicated uh, relationship. Um, And, you know, it shows you the importance of forgiveness and dealing with, you know, this difficult situation with grace. Um, There's another element, which is friendship. And what I liked is that both girls are experiencing the beginning of a new friendship with each other and also the fracturing of older ones. So, the characters actually go through a learning curve during the story. So it's actually lovely to see them grow together and learn how to be a good friend to each other. And my favorite part 
I really appreciated reading about young characters who are conscious of their faith and observing religious rituals. So not just because it's important to them as individuals, but also as a way to connect with their family and community. And you know, Kendra, like this is something that I always look out for in books. So that was amazing. Um, yeah. So overall, this was such a sweet book. Um, and you know, like the the competition that they enter. So they actually come up with a recipe that combines Sarah's Pakistani heritage with Elizabeth's British, uh, uh, you know, side of the family. And I'm not going to tell you what recipe they come up with, but the cool thing is the authors actually wrote the recipe at the end of the book. So when you've read it, you can actually try to make it. And I think that is amazing. I'm going to give it a shot one day. Yes, I definitely need to make that. Uh, I have a, I have a list of things that you, because we talk about, okay, when we're not talking about books or for kids, you and I are talking about food, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I have an obsession with lentils and you have an obsession with pasta. So it really works out. <laughs> I feel like we should give it a shot. We should try coming up with a recipe together and <laughs> see where that takes us. <laughs> I I can see that going great places uh, and making Samuel eat the results, you know, and uh, seeing what happens. Things uh, I really love books about food and how food brings it things together. And this is also on on my um, further reading list for myself because I, I own a copy. But I really love that this represents two friends with two different religious practices, but they can connect because they feel like that kind of faith, you you connect on that level that you both have a faith that you, you practice. And that's something that you and I talk about a lot as well. And it just sounds like, yes, if we were to write a book, it would be something like this. Yeah. The Venn diagram of this book in our lives would be a circle. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's just perfection, right? And I feel like yeah. <laughs> this is just something that kids be great to read because you might think you might be very different, but you might have more in common than you originally thought. And so, yeah, that was a really beautiful a, aspect in this book, great. the way that they kind of take their time to actually realize that, which is something I really appreciated because, um, you know, like they don't become friends instantly. They kind of have to learn how to be a good friend. So that was mm -hmm. amazing. And I actually also have to add that I can't imagine that it was easy to write a book with another author. So like yeah. Sadia Faruqi and Laura Shoban, oh my gosh, they did such an amazing job with this because you never feel like it's two different people working on the on the narrative like it flows so beautifully and I don't know how they uh, did it but they definitely figured out a way to make the story flow okay so that was A Place at the Table by Sadia Faruqi and Laura Chauvin published by Houghton Mifflin Harcourt in the US the sponsor of this episode is Talkspace at the beginning of the pandemic, I felt like it would only be a few months and that this all was temporary, but now being in quarantine is really a new way of life, and it's incredibly challenging for our mental health. Sometimes I feel so overwhelmed by everything that I have to do at work, keeping in touch with loved ones, and also not being completely stuck in terms of my goals and what I want to accomplish. And I'm really glad that I have my therapist to talk through the ups and downs of how I'm feeling during this really chaotic period. So if you are like me, you should definitely check out Talkspace for therapy. You can sign up online and start therapy the same day as you sign up. Depending on what plan you choose, you can text, video, or send voice messages to your licensed therapist. So it's incredibly convenient to have a virtual session from the comfort of your own home. Your therapist can give you practical guidance that can really change your life for the better. As a listener of this podcast, you'll get $100 off your first month with Talkspace. To match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com or download the app. Make sure to use the code READINGWOMEN to get $100 off your first month and show your support for the show. That's READINGWOMEN at Talkspace.com. So Kendra, what's your first pick for Middle Grade Magic? So I picked a book that we both love, and that is Ghost Squad by Claribel A. Ortega. 
And uh, she is a Dominican-American author, and she's writing about two girls in um, St. Augustine, Florida. So this book is about ghosts, like it says. Uh, but this is about um, uh, so this is about Lucelli, and she lives with her dad, and also a lot of ghosts from their ancestors. So. Uh, it makes for of quite a, um, a vibrant household. And so like she eats breakfast with her ghost family every day. And um, since her mom left, her dad has really struggled um, to see the ghosts as well. He doesn't really see them anymore, but it's something that is part of her family. That's not really part of other people's families, but there's something special about hers. And she doesn't really like question that per se. Um, but the only person that knows that she sees her ghost friends is her best friend, Sid who I adore. And we all need a best friend, Sid, really. What happens, though, is one day while her dad is doing this ghost tour, St. Augustine, and for those of you not from the area, you might not know that St. Augustine is like one of the oldest towns in the United States um, and is also haunted. Uh, So, you know, I don't know, conveniently for the story, but it works out well. And so while her dad is doing this ghost tour of St. Augustine... Lucelli's abuela kind of disappears. And when her ghost family is not appearing before her as like ghostly figures, they're fireflies. Her abuela's firefly it seems really sick and it's in this little jar on this, you know, very magical willow tree they have in their front yard. And she's very concerned, obviously. She doesn't know what's happening. And so she and her best friend Sid kind of go on a quest to figure out what's happening with her ghost family and everything like that. Also, her dad seems to be about to lose their house because the ghost tours aren't doing well. And so a lot is happening for Lucelli all at the same time. Yeah. And you know, you should have mentioned the star of the book, which is Chunk. (laughs) Yes, the cat chunk. So cute. I can like, I just want to give that cat a hug and like give it all the treats and the belly rubs. Such a cute, cute part of the story, honestly. And the the fun and the adventure that we go on in this book is so adorable. Um, it literally took me right back to my childhood because I, I had a bicycle, a purple one. <laughs> I love Chunk. Chunk is one of many cats that Sid's grandmother, Babette, has, and she has a cat named after every character in The Goonies, which is also great. And so I really love that there's, you know, friendship. It's obviously super focused on family. But one of the things especially I loved is that this is about a cultural, spiritual tradition that is from Lucelli's family. And I think it's really important that, you know, we see that and respect that. I think oftentimes especially Western readers or or white Western readers as as I am, there are all sorts of different beliefs. And that's one of the things that makes the world so fabulous. But it's also something that when we read, you know, we need to recognize and appreciate. And so I really loved how Ortega took that culture tradition from her experience as being Dominican-American and turned that into this fabulous story where these two girls have such a strong friendship and together and with their families, they are kind of able to save the day, which I don't think is a spoiler. Yeah. It's a middle grade novel, right? <laughs> it's, yeah. Expect the happy ending, but there's a lot of spookiness that happens on the way. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I absolutely loved it. I love ghost stories, but I'm kind of a weenie, so I can't really read ghost stories <laughs> above YA level. So I really love these books. <laughs> I'm surprised, Kendra, because the books that you've selected today are the spooky ones. Right, right. But they are middle grade. So like it's on my level of spookiness. (laughs) All right. So that is uh, Ghost Squad by Clarabelle A. Ortega. And that is out from Scholastic here in the U.S. So Maya, you have our first discussion pick, which I am so excited to finally be able to talk about with listeners. <laughs> yes, and this is a book that I've been anticipating for almost a year or over a year, I would say. Mm-hmm. So my discussion pick is, drum rolls, please. <laughs> Once Upon an Eve, a stunning collection of stories edited by S.K. Ali and Aisha Saeed. And 
every single thing about this book is perfect. The stories complement each other so well, you know, in terms of the range of themes and voices, um, and also the cover and the illustrations that accompany each story are so beautiful. Yeah, so the illustrations were done by uh, Sarah Alpagi, who is brilliant, and you should definitely check out her work. Um, so this collection features 15 stories, two of which are a short graphic novel and a poem. All of these stories are actually related to Eid, a time of celebrating for Muslims that comes with the ending of the month of Ramadan. This episode comes out in April, so that's actually a month away for us. Um, but last year, Eid was tough. Uh, for Muslims all over the world, you know, because of the lockdown. And there are chances that that might happen uh, this year again for some of us. So I think this book is perfect for anyone who can't be with their family during Eid or anyone who wants to soak in some happy feelings. Um, Eid is one of the best days of the year for Muslims. The Arabic word actually literally means festival and feast. So you can imagine like all of the food. (laughs) Eve is literally about having a good time with your loved ones and eating all the best food on all three days. So what I loved about this anthology in particular is that we get to see a range of experiences. Some stories are purely joyful while the characters and some of the others are going through difficulties that are affecting their experience of Eid. Um, but of course, there's you know, happy endings for all of them, which makes this perfect. Um, What makes this anthology even better is that, you know, you have the happy ending aspect, but also it represents so many different types of Muslim experiences. And the beauty of Eid is that each family and culture often has their own traditions aside from the Islamic rituals. And, you know, that's beautifully depicted in the anthology with its diversity. And it features writers from a range of cultures and religions of regions of the world. And, you know, it shows you different types of families. But to actually really explain that, I wanted to read out um, a small section that was written in the introduction by S.K. Ali and Aisha Saeed. There are almost 2 billion Muslims around the world, and we come from many different walks of life and cultures. As a result, the way that Eid is celebrated can vary from family to family, community to community, culture to culture, and country to country. However, what unites all Muslims during these holidays, from the Uyghur community in Central Asia to the Hui Muslims of China to the large Muslim community in Argentina, is our shared faith and shared joy at celebrating this festive day. So... (laughs) I wholeheartedly recommend this anthology, not just because it features so many joyful stories, a few of which we'll be discussing in the next episode, but it's honestly a book that's basically a hug. (laughs) Also because you're going to discover so many brilliant Muslim writers who have amazing books that are also waiting to be loved. This book has an all-star cast of writers uh, for their contributors. SKLE, we love them from, you know, love from A to Z. You have Isha Saeed, who wrote Mamal Unbound. Uh, you have Hannah Alkoff, who we'll be talking about in just a second. And you have Huda El Marashi, who wrote First Comes Marriage. Like, all of our faves are in this book. Yeah. I, I'm just in love. And Randa Abdel Fattah, who's from Australia. Her books are amazing. We also have Anish Sanzai, who's very I've actually like recently started exploring and it's very fascinating. I fell in love with this book and you know I have never experienced a need celebration but I feel like as someone reading this from the outside as it were I feel like I, I have now because this book is so joyful and it captures that beautiful festival kind of celebratory spirit, but also there are a lot of, you know, difficult things that these characters are going through. And and I felt like this book captured that in such a beautiful way. And, you know, this is for children. This is something that you could give the children in your life if you practice Eid and be like, here is something that you could read, even if we're not together right now because of COVID, it will still kind of bring us together. We could talk about this book and, and celebrate from afar, which is pretty fabulous. 
Yeah. And, you know, there are two absolutely beautiful aspects of this book, which is, first of all, it's a middle grade Eid anthology, which is, to me, it's like the best way to package an Eid anthology because Eid is all about the kids. Like if the kids are not having fun, it's not a good Eid. That's how I mm-hmm. see it. And the second thing is the food. Oh, my yes. God. All the food that's mentioned in every single story. It's it's literally the essence of Eid. It's all the feasting and, you know, all the... And in the end, the acknowledgments, each of the authors has actually, like, written um, their acknowledgement in terms of, like, items of food, which is so adorable. I love that. And there's this one story that where this uh, girl is, is trying to make this special dish that her mom used to make and her and her mom is very ill. And so she's not able to make it that year. And, and she has a lot of pressure on herself to make this thing perfectly. And so there's just a lot of communication about how food connects us to our faith and our culture and, and how it's an expression of that as well. And each story includes a lot of food in that way and captures that spirit. I feel like that is particularly important for communities celebrating a special occasion or a holiday like Eid. And they're all just adorable stories as well. Like just, ugh. Yeah. Food is what brings us together. It's, you know, whether it's like a meal that we have at home every day that brings the family together or when it's, you know, like occasions like Eid when the entire community gets together for, you know, for the celebration. So it's really beautiful to read this. And honestly, like I wish this is a book, you know, that I wish that I had when I was a kid. It would have changed my life. That was Once Upon an Eid, edited by S.K. Ali and Aisha Saeed, out from Amulet Books. So, Kendra, tell us about your discussion pick for Middle Grade Magic. So, I uh, was reading Once Upon an Eid, since we're going to discuss it in our next episode, and I really love Hannah Alcuff's story, and I went to my TBR stack of Middle Grade, and I actually already owned a book by her. I actually owned two, but the Middle Grade one was available in audio. So I picked up The Girl and the Ghost by Hannah Alkoff. And this is an amazing story. And it's a sort of retelling uh, of Malaysian cultural knowledge or folklore. And that's something that, um, you know, I read going into the book, but I I just felt consumed by the story very quickly. Having no knowledge of what this was supposed to be a retelling of. Um, and, and I still very much enjoyed the story. So whatever you're coming from, I think you, there's something here for you. And so this book is about Soraya and, uh, she has inherited a a palisade, which is a kind of spirit or ghost, um, that her grandmother kind of bestowed upon her, um, when her grandmother passed and the palisade uh, whose name is later, we learn pink. And uh, he... <laughs> Delightful name. <laughs> right, right. And so he finds Soraya as a baby and basically is like, oh, okay, this is my new master or mistress. He basically is around there keeping Soraya alive and he's exhausted because his baby keeps running in all these different places. And then he becomes Soraya's best friend. And when she's old enough to talk and understand what he is, she names him Pink. Of course. So you have this really creepy, horned spirit, and she named him Pink. I mean, that's one of my favorite themes when she's naming him. And he's like, I'm a dark spirit. (laughs) She's like, Pink. It's my favorite color. So that was delightful. And the story really picks up when Soraya goes to school. And so um, when she's older, she gets into like this more prestigious school outside of her own hometown. So she travels all the way to this other school and she really struggles to make friends. But then she meets a girl named Jing and Jing is obsessed with Star Wars, like obsessed. And so Jing is really just a delight. And so obviously Soraya loves Jing and and they just become instant friends. But Pink gets, starts to get jealous and things start happening to Jing, and she starts like dropping things, or accidents happen to her. And Soraya is really disturbed by this because she knows who it is. Because Pink has done something like this before to her like enemies, as it were, but she's never really seen this kind of jealousy from him. And so she kind of has to figure out what to do with wanting a 
friend that is a real human being, but also having inherited Pink, and he was her only friend for such a long time. And so that's something she has to navigate. Yeah, and you know, the way that Hannah actually handles the jealousy, the bullying, all of these different themes, it's so beautifully done. Um, and it makes you concerned uh, about these different, you know, friendships and people that uh, are in Soraya's life. But when Jing enters the picture, it just changes entirely. And I just felt so much happiness for the two of them that they discovered each other and you know that they they became friends that was one of the best parts um in the story for me what a, one of the funny parts about this book is that when Soraya is trying to figure out why on earth her grandmother had a pellicet in the first place and is trying to figure out kind of where pink came from Jing pipes up and is like oh we need to find out his origin story because you know <laughs> Once Luke Skywalker found about like Darth Vader and how he became Darth Vader, it all made sense. And <laughs> Soraya's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and so I immediately thought of that when, Samaya, you said that the origin story for this episode. And I was like, oh, like Jing. <laughs> I think I got the idea from Jing, to be honest. <laughs> I, I absolutely love this book, and I've only read, I think, maybe one other book by a Malaysian author, and so I really loved learning more about um, Hannah Alcoff's writing and the, what she does with her, you know, the literature that she she's putting out into the world, and I just feel so happy that, you know, we have access to this book um, all around the world now. So uh, this is our discussion pick, as like I mentioned, for next episode. So I'm trying not to spoil that episode because I could talk about this book for a very long time and we will hear shortly. <laughs> yeah. Um, but one of the things I did want to mention is that this book does go well with Ghost Squad because they both deal with a cultural knowledge and understanding of, of spirits and, and ghosts. Like they're both ghosts, it's both, both of the titles and I really wanted to be able to compare a few different books on this area uh, of these cultural, spiritual traditions uh, in different parts of the world. And um, I think they pair really well together. And so if you're interested in reading both of them, I would recommend because they're just so delightful and they deal, they're different moods, they're just different pacing, and they're different topics and themes um, in the books as well. So I'm sure I could write a paper on it or something. Um, I'll spare you all, but definitely go check them out. Yeah, and I think the the connecting element in my picks is food. <laughs> so this true. really is the perfect theme that we're doing. Look at that. Like, we're just so on brand today. I'm so proud. It's very millennial of us. <laughs> that is The Girl and the Ghost by Hannah Alkoff. And in the U.S., that's out from Harper. Such a delightful book. Ugh, so excited to talk about it next episode. All right, so it's time for our guest for this month. And I have been a fan of Afomas for a long time, and she reads and reviews middle grade novels. And as a middle grade lover myself, I always loved going to her blog and checking out what she was reading or her social media, et cetera. And so when I, you know, we figured out that our cozy theme had turned into a middle grade theme very naturally for us, I was like, oh, of course, I have the perfect guest in mind. So I messaged her and, and she, was, she said yes, and I was so thrilled. So I couldn't be more thrilled to share the segment with Afoma of Reading Middle Grade, Books for Kids and Grownups. Hi, my name is Afoma Omisi. I blog about children's literature on reading middle grade. You can find me on Twitter where I'm at Afoma Omisi or at ReadingMG. My first book is Red, White, and Whole by Rajani LaRocca, and it's a middle grade novel in verse. It's about a 13-year-old Indian-American girl named Reha. Reha is being your normal teen. She loves mixtapes, and she's obsessed with Cindy Lauper. She likes MTV, but at the same time, she's also Indian-American, so she has almost like two sides to her. There's the Indian-American side with the, her family and their community, and then there's Reha at school, where she has uh, a white best friend at school. But then when she comes back home, she has an Indian best friend as well. So she's straddling both cultures, and because of the difference in, in her view of her culture and that of her parents, her relationship with her mother gets a bit strained. Her mom, you know, wants to sew all of Reha's clothes. Her mom doesn't want her to go to dances. And her father, too, is a bit 
you know, suspicious of American culture. So there's a bit of a rift between her and her mother. But then things get a bit challenging when her mother becomes sick. The mother develops a life-threatening illness. And this changes Reha's perspective as she starts to learn more about her parents. And we also learn about her parents and how they immigrated. At the same time, the author connects some Indian mythology that brings the whole story together. This is a very moving book. And it really delves deep into the relationship between mothers and their daughters and how how often the younger generation, they can feel so misunderstood by their parents. But in reality, the parents understand the kids way more than they could ever imagine. So this is a really cute middle grade book with Indian culture. There's immigration issues. Um, there's also friendship and a lot of community in the way that everybody really rallies around for Reha and her family during their time of crisis. I chose this book because it really, it was one of those verse novels that changed the way that I see verse novels. I'm not a huge fan of novels in verse. I, I tend to see them as lacking in detail. And often I'm just like, well, you could have just written this as prose. But I was really impressed with the way the author uses that form, uh, the, the poetry in the book. And also I, I thought her story was so vivid. And I think as, as a daughter myself, I completely understand the way that relationships with um, our mothers can be when we're growing up. Uh, it's like we they're the, they're the person we love the most, but at the same time, they're the person that we can butt heads with. Well, I'm talking from my perspective. Uh, so I really identified with Reha in that situation and with the way that she's almost forced to, to really see her mother in a different light, to appreciate her mother while at the same time having that um, kind of challenging relationship as well. I would recommend this book to anyone who likes stories that will make you cry, but will also make you think, will make you want to hug your loved ones, and stories that that really move you to think beyond your surroundings, stories that show you other people's cultures, uh, and something different. If you're looking for something that is still packed, still full, but at the same time in a different form, format. So not prose if you're looking for a verse novel or poetry or you like lyrical, beautiful language, then I definitely recommend this book. The book is called Red, White and Whole by Rajani LaRocca. The second book I've chosen to share is A Place to Hang the Moon. This book is by Kate Albus. It's actually a debut novel. It's about three orphans during uh, World War II who are evacuated from London. Their grandmother has just died, so they're all by themselves, and they've managed to stick together while being evacuated. And they move from home to home looking for the right home for them, their forever home. And Basically, they're looking for a home where they can be viewed as where they can be viewed as literally having hung the moon. So that's where the title comes from. And these three kids, they have the elder brother, the younger brother, and then the last one, who's a girl, Anna. So Edmund, William, and Anna, they essentially they're moved to the English countryside. And they meet all these people in the community. They're going from home to home, having all these good and bad experiences. They, they're starved sometimes. They're cold. Uh, they have to deal with people who are not so nice. But through all of it, a refuge for them is the library. So they're very big readers. When they're leaving their home in London, a big thing for them is taking books with them. So they have their books as a form of comfort. And another thing is that they also are well-to-do. Their parents, their, their dead parents are well-to-do. So essentially, it's, it's crucial that they find a family that loves them for who they are. That way, they can know that this is where they should be. And then they can tell the family that they do have some money. So I liked this story because it was very escapist, very cozy, there's um it has that classic feel and the kids there's there's like toast and tea and then there's so much camaraderie between the kids and they they have such distinct personalities it's very enjoyable it's it's one of those books that you just want to sit in a corner 
have your cup of tea and just read and go through the journey with these three kids. That's why I chose this one. Another thing I, I liked about this book is that it it really shows that there are more to people. There's more to people than than meets the eye. With the kids, the people in the community, they don't know them as anything beyond um, evacuees who don't have anything. But readers know that this, the children are more than what the people can see. And at the same time, as they go through looking for their forever home, there are people in, in the town whom the town has negative opinions about for different reasons. And we also get to learn more about those people. And we see that sometimes what the majority or what a group of people think about a particular person is not always right. So it challenges our biases and our perspective and the, the ability to also form our own opinions about other people. And that was something I enjoyed about this book. When I reviewed this book, I called it uh, a hug of a book. And I I stand by that. It's 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 such a beautiful book. And if, if you're looking for just something that feels good, like a feel-good book, something that will teach you a little bit about history, this is the book to go. And if you if you love books and libraries, you will definitely enjoy this one. Yes, this is A Place to Hang the Moon by Kate Albus. My favorite thing about middle grade literature is how hopeful it is. It is very unassuming. I mean, it's it's supposedly books for kids, but it can cover a wide range of emotions and a wide range of topics as well. Literally anything you can think about happening in real life is touched in middle grade literature. There, there, there are middle grade books about a variety of topics, whether you're thinking about addiction, domestic violence, travel, death and grief. And then there are also feel-good books as well, sibling relationships, everything. It covers all of this. But unlike the the sometimes dreary outlook of adult books, you know, because they want to be so rooted in real life, middle grade books, they always end on a very hopeful note. You know that at the end of the book, no matter how sad everything has been throughout the journey, you know that you're going to come out feeling a little lighter. You're going to come out with a little more hope for the world. Uh, I, I really wish more adults would read middle grade books. Um, it doesn't have to become the bulk of your reading life, but I definitely recommend dipping your toes in now and again, because there's so much, there's so many beautiful stories and middle grade writers and authors working so hard, creating such amazing stories for every genre. So I'm definitely a huge fan, obviously, but it's something that I recommend as a way to escape and at the same time develop more empathy, both for our present selves and for our child selves. Thank you so much, Afoma, for all of your recommendations. The books sound amazing, and I'm so excited to discover your website and can't wait to get more recommendations from you in the future. Well, those are our picks for our theme on middle grade magic. Uh, So, Samaya, what are you currently reading right now? Um, All right. So, I'm currently reading Boy Everywhere by A.M. Dasu. And this book is so beautifully written. I'm actually halfway through. I read halfway through in one sitting. um, And I'm absolutely loving it. It is so emotional and incredibly heartfelt. So, this book follows Sami, who is a 13-year-old boy. He loves his friends, football, PlayStation, and iPad. So, he's just a regular kid in Syria. But there's a bombing in a mall that changes his life and he is forced to leave his home. He's forced to leave the comfort of the, you know, the only home that he's ever known. And he has to embark on a painful journey with his family for a new life in the UK. So this book actually shows you that perspective of a young boy who becomes a refugee and, you know, just tells you how nobody would want this for themselves like nobody becomes a refugee because you know life is better somewhere else it's because they absolutely have no other choice one of the beautiful things about this book is that um, the author is actually used the advance that she received for this book to assist Syrian refugees and set up a grant to support an unpublished refugee or immigrant writer so I think that's a beautiful gesture and yeah I 
honestly cannot wait to finish this book today. It's been brilliant and just so eye-opening and really, really well-written. So that's my current read. What about you, Kendra? So I am reading a favorite of ours, Hannah Khan, and she wrote uh, More to the Story, which is a retelling of Little Women, and she also wrote Amina's Voice, which was the first book, and then Amina's Song, which just arrived, came out recently, and my, when my pre-order arrived, I literally screamed and held it and danced around like... <laughs> a little girl getting a book for Christmas or something. I loved just her her writing and just the way that she captures just ominous perspective and her faith and her community just is wonderful. So this is one of my most anticipated reads of the year. And I couldn't be more thrilled to finally have it in my hands. Yeah, and I think you mentioned that it's twice as long as the first one. So that is yes. something <laughs> that made me so happy. And honestly, like Hina Khan's Amina's Voice is one of my favorite books. Like favorite Muslim middleweight books. It's absolutely perfect. And yeah, I'm so excited about this one. I'm kind of jealous you're reading it first. <laughs> Book envy, that's the thing. <laughs> It is on Scribd, so, <laughs> you know, you could go wander over there as well. Uh, but I I love Salam Reads, which is the imprint that this book is published with, and they publish a lot of phenomenal YA and middle grade um, Muslim stories. And so I just, you know, I basically just pre-order their list, essentially, and I love them and would recommend yeah. and I will link them down the show notes. <laughs> they are one of my favorites, by the way, like one of my favorite publishers ever. And I just quickly want to give them a shout out and say that, can you guys please come on Instagram? Because they have a page, but they don't really post on it. And I yeah. wish they would because, you know, it would be amazing to kind of see all the things that they're doing and actually share that with everyone on Instagram. So if you're looking for a social media person, I'm That's here. Say. <laughs> I was like, you just sign a contract with them. You're like, I will run your social media page. Just send me the books. <laughs> uh, yeah. So all of that will be linked in the show notes and, um, including my CV. <laughs> so those are two books that we are very delighted to be currently reading. Um, Samaya, where can people find reading updates from you about the internet? So I'm primarily on Instagram. You can find me at sumaya.books and I'm on Twitter at sumaya.books. And I've also recently joined Clubhouse where I have a club called Books with Sumaya and I host two sessions every week where we talk about all kinds of literature and just, you know, talk about books in general and reading habits and all of that. So that's me. What about you, Kendra? Everyone can find me at, at K as in Kite, D as in Dylan Winchester across all social media. My username is the same and on Clubhouse. My username is also the same. So yes, definitely check us out there and that will be linked in the show notes. And that's our show. Many thanks to our patrons whose support makes this podcast possible. This episode was produced and edited by me, Kendra Winchester, and our music is by Mickey Saito with Isaac Green. Join us next time when we dive into our discussion picks, Once Upon an Eve and The Girl and the Ghost. In the meantime, you can find Reading Women on Instagram and Twitter at The Reading Women. Thank you so much for listening. Mm-hmm.